Welcome to episode number 21 of the Worship Drummer Podcast. This is John Manna, your host. You are a part of a global group of Christian drummers who are continually striving to put the heart before beat. Why? Because we believe that worship is about the work of your hands and heart. Follow along online at worshipdrummer.com or you can always hit me up on Instagram at worshipdrummer. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. Hey, Worship Drummer family, hope you're doing well. And uh, at least here in Toronto, we're enjoying some warmer weather. So I hope that you are as well. Uh, Just before we get into today's episode with Garrett Tyler, uh, just want to make sure that you're aware of two things that are dear to my heart. Uh, Number one is Mastering Modern Worship Drumming. This is an online course that I developed for you, the worship drummer family, um, simply teaching you how to use your Roland SPDSX in worship, and then secondly, how to use your SPDSX to control Ableton. And uh, we take a deep dive in the course on how to do that. I hired a videographer and uh, got one of my great friends who is an Ableton wizard, Uh, to actually be the instructor just because this was stuff that I myself wanted to learn. So I was a part of the whole production side of things and uh, built out worshipdrummer.pro specifically for that. So I would love it if you could take a look at worshipdrummer.pro and the online course is called Mastering Modern Worship Drumming. And then secondly, I've been um, quietly in the background preparing and building worshipdrumsamples.com. If uh, about 150 of you have signed up for our launch list, so if you haven't yet and you're interested, um, please go ahead and do that. And you might say, I am interested, but what is it actually about? So let me just take a few seconds to fill you in. Basically, I'm endeavoring to create a central hub that when when you want to find that specific uh, sample that was on the Bethel album or or whatever album in worship, I want to be able to offer that to you. Now, there's a lot of legwork in the background, um, but I'm I'm really excited at the pieces that are coming together, and uh, I can't say more than that. Um, but I'm really excited for the opportunity that it presents. Um, and, and it was born out of this. Um, we post tons of YouTube videos and I receive a lot of comments and feedback saying, oh, I love the song. Where can we find those drum samples? And I'm just, I got tired of not having an answer. So uh, worshipdrumsamples.com is going to be my answer uh, for the Worship Drummer family. And I really think it's a felt need. And everyone I speak with uh, shares that same. They're like, oh, that's such a a crazy idea. So uh, to me, it's not about, oh, John Mann is a genius. I think it's just like I'm I'm listening and I'm going to do something about it because there is no solution and there's no answer for those questions that I get. So I said, you know what, let's create one. So if you would kindly check that out and sign up for the launch list, let me know that you're interested. That would mean the world to me. And let me just intro Garrett Tyler. I uh, connected with him in 2017, just as he was heading out on the Outcry tour. It was the first tour of his not small, but young band called Local Sound. And uh, in this conversation with Garrett, we talk about all things. uh, Even we get into the tech side of drumming because he has an incredible hybrid setup. And just as we get started, know that you could find the show notes at worshipdrummer.com forward slash 021 for episode 21. Again, worshipdrummer.com forward slash 021. And I'm going to post a ton of pictures and videos of his setup from Outcry. And um, also we have a gear rundown that he did. Uh, It was initially from an Insta story that he did on our account. And I put it on YouTube just to kind of archive it and reference it. Uh, So I'll link to that as well so you can kind of get 
the full picture of what we're talking about. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy my conversation as much as I did. And here is Garrett Tyler. Dude, it's been, it's been, um, it's been a cool season. Um, I actually just moved, moved houses. Do you know Garrett Goodwin? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Garrett's a really good buddy of mine and, um, him, I don't know who all he's told, um, but they <laughs> bought a they bought a new house because they're having a baby. Um, nice, nice. And so he he has he had his awesome drum studio warehouse. Yes. And so I I now live I moved in. Come so on. So I got to take it over. Yeah. So I've got the drum space, and we're gonna kind of start like a a drum studio together, and um, it's been a cool cool transition into moving yeah. here i'm here right now um and so that's that's been really cool but no man it's been this year has been um i guess it was the end of last year that i was out on tour in december of doing a christmas tour with christy and yeah. um i was looking at my next year 2018 and it was just bare to the bones just like a, the artists i was playing with no one really was doing anything beginning of the year into the spring and things weren't really going to start back up until the summer really with like local sound because we were, were writing new songs christie's like taking it really easy just everything was really thin and yeah, so yeah, yeah. um god's been really cool it was like the last week of that tour um, a buddy of mine named Rob Ernst drums for this band called Love. Um, he's like a pop artist. Mm. Um, and anyway, he reached out. He's like, hey, there's this new artist um, having auditions. He's got a lot of buzz behind him, some great dates next year. And he like made a post to like Nashville, his Nashville drummer friends. So I texted him about it and he told me just to send my stuff over to him and he'd turn it in to the management. And so me and th two other guys got um, calls to send in video auditions and wow. I ended up getting the, ended up getting the spot. Nice. And um, it was awesome. Yeah. So this artist named R Lamar, he's an R and B pop artist. Um, and it was great. Cause that was, we were on tour the whole month of February in the yeah. states and then we were on tour um for two weeks in europe and then like a week of south by in march so it was like seven weeks gone which was awesome and then <laughs> we've had filler stuff in between and i'm doing like some festivals with them this summer and and then just like been actually writing a ton i i co-produced with justin Amadrid, who's part of local sound as well yeah, he's yeah. with centricity music and so nice um so that's been cool like during the week just getting to write with him a ton and um getting to write with some great artists and like i said working on the local sound record and then and then cool enough it's been um i do like a lot of pickup gigs like independent drumming for different artists country pop soul whatever wow. and so just been like picking up gigs, a ton of gigs with different people. I actually, literally, right before I got on the phone, I got a, I'm playing Bonnaroo with R. Lamar, but I just got a call from this guy, Matt Payne. Um, that name sounds familiar. Band. You might know him. He, so he puts, he's a big MD and he puts bands together here in Nashville. So he MDs and he put Marin Morris's band together, Kelsey Ballerini, Walker Hayes, like a ton of people and yeah, yeah. so he's like a good point guy to know and so he's in this past week already he put he put me in a band for this artist named anime um we've got two shows this month and then he just called me about this artist the soul artist named davy and we'll be huh. playing like bonnaroo and lollapalooza and stuff so it's like wow i'm just extremely thankful right now because <laughs> it went from an extremely dry season to you know, yeah, things being lined up. So it's and exciting. It's exciting. How were like? Are you a recent move to Nashville for you personally? 
Yeah, I'm I'm only I only moved here in 2015. I um I will be finishing my third year in town this year. Wow. Because uh, I did grad school. So I've only actually the first two years I was in graduate school. So I I just now this month finished my first year with no school, just like in the city, wow. you know. Crazy. And so it's been it's exciting, yeah. yeah. It's a, I love it. I love it. I'm happy for you, man. And I love I love you as a drummer. <laughs> and uh Dude, thank you. Yeah, and um small side note, I just threw out a worship drummer playlist and uh like on Spotify, sorry. And um I was like I need to put some local sound stuff on there. Just because Oh it, heck yeah. Because it's so good. Um and I was really stoked. Like I don't know, normally we do like a formal podcast. Uh mm-hmm. but I just if you're cool with what you've shared so far, could we just run with this and just continue yeah. in, in this vein? Um sweet yeah so yeah for me i'm just like still digesting local sound stuff even the hotel sessions that you guys did did you like those sick it was like thank you because i'm like the the uniqueness it's stuff that we all do like you know like with friends hey let's play some stuff or like work through songs but capturing it on songs that we know for me, that was like, right. this is amazing. It's so different. That's awesome. That makes me happy. Yeah, dude. Not that my opinion has a lot of weight, but. Oh no. Of course it does. Of course. Crazy. So, um, why don't we just go backwards a bit? Um, okay. Cause you played outcry last year and yes. Was that your first, um, I think it was your first time on tour for Outcry. Uh, was it Local Sounds first? Um, it was a Local Sounds first tour as well. Sweet. So, okay. So there's a lot to unpack about that. Like how did Local Sound form? Um, how did you make your way onto the Outcry tour, which, you know, like Bethel, Elevation, Jesus Culture, uh, and then just kind of walk us through that process of how did that all happen last year for you guys? Wow. Well, (laughs) so let's see. First one's how did local sound form? Yeah. So, um, it's, it's quite a, a long story, but I'll, I'll connect the dots the most efficient way I can. And take Um, as much time as you need to like walk us through it. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Well, I had moved to Nashville and um, I believe I was, yeah, I didn't know any of the other members at the time. And so I was here and I was playing for local, the backtrack, local sound has kind of like had a a facelift as far as um, original members to the members now. Not everyone that was originally involved is still involved, only mm. a handful of us. And so originally, um, I was playing for this artist named Flurry, who's an incredible, incredible artist. Um, pop, does a lot of sync stuff. Um, and so I was drumming for her, and we were doing this showcase at RCA Records. And she told me about this keyboardist was coming in town from Florida and was going to be moving here named Justin. And I had no idea who he was at the time. Um, and so he moves up, we play this show and that was the first time we got to know each other and we play music with flurry. Um, so that was the initial meeting point of Justin and I. Yeah. And so time passes. Justin's a producer in town, um, was writing at the time I was in school. Um, and just playing gigs outside of school. Every what school, so often. by the but way? I I did my master's in commercial drum set performance at oh. Belmont University Belmont. in Nashville. Okay. 
Yeah, cool. And so that was like the main chunk of my time was school, you know. Yeah. And and so anyway, um, some friends of mine and my girlfriend at the time, we had been invited to go to this thing um, by Justin. We had run into each other a few times. We were invited to a thing called My Local. And it was this like church service for college students. And so we went. And we invited a bunch of friends and that's when I, um, you know, got to know Jared, who's in the group, this guy named Trey Bailey, who originally was playing guitar in my, and lo- at my local, not quite local sound yet. <laughs> and, um, and so we started going and serving and, and I had no intention of, like, oh, I got to play here, play. I just started going, making friends. There was no agenda behind it. And so after attending for a while, you know, we had heard they were writing a batch of songs for the My Local family. Um, and by the time that I had started serving a little bit in My Local um, and started getting really connected with Jared, um, local sound as a band had already begun writing and recording and was working with producer Michael Fatkin from Hillsong Young and Free. Hmm. And so they were like already knee deep in the project. And so one evening Jared had asked me, Hey, what do you think about drumming on these songs? You know, like and doing some programming. And I was like, of course I'm all about it. (laughs) And so we were, at the time, the project was Justin, Lauren Strom, which who's Flurry, Trey Bailey, Jared, and then they brought me in to do drums. And we were at Ocean Way Studios down in the basement in the lounge area, and I was just sitting with Jared, um, and he's like, what's the dream, man? And so <laughs> just, like, dropped the question. And so, I, you know, like, being a believer and, and pursuing Christ, as well as being a musician, you know, you know, honestly, the dream is to be able to, you know, like develop and keep pursuing my craft as a musician. Um, but at the same time, you know, see, see people come to know Jesus, you know, and always be able to give back my gift to the creator, you know, so to be able to do all that in one setting is awesome, you know? Yeah. And that's, and that's, worship you know and that's i it's definitely something that uh, i feel like a lot of people take for granted being able to lead worship for a living um Mm -hmm. but it's it's such a crazy thing to say we get to do you know yeah and anyway so that you know that i kind of unfolded that as being the dream and so it was kind of from there he kind of officially was like I want you to be a part of this thing, like officially in the band drummer for local sound. And that's kind of how it started. And we finished those songs and, you know, time progressed and, and people's paths kind of changed. And um, after that was said and done, it was kind of just Jared, Justin and I were the only ones left. Um, and so songs were released. Um, we released, I think it was wild and it was the end of 2016. We released wild as the single. And then that right after that, we released more than air. And that's the one that really kind of blew up for us. Um, Got playlisted everywhere. And um, that's kind of what started the buzz. And I guess it was, we released the EP beginning January of 2017. Yeah. And after that, things kind of started moving really quickly. And we, um, you know, we signed with management. um, And then we eventually, what kind of led us to the outcry was we, we signed with this company called Premier Productions, who's primarily promotional and builds tours, but they also... um, they also do booking as uh, well for artists. Nice. That's awesome. And so in the midst of that, we were doing some events, we were doing some performances and stuff, and we didn't have a female vocalist. And 
uh, a friend recommended, who is now a member of the band, Emily Wyatt, recommended her, and she's been a part of the group ever since. Yeah. Um, so she's now officially a part of Local Sound as well. So it's the four of us. And so, That's yeah, crazy. so we were with Premier, and, and they had kind of been dreaming up some things for us, and Outcry was one of those. And at the time, they were, you know, they were like, there's not another sound like you guys. Um, yeah. And like, we just really love what you're doing and, and the music you're bringing forward to the, the worship space. And that's what we're, you know, we're always wanting to continue to do, um, even with this new stuff. And they're like, we would love to have you guys be a part of this experience. And so, like I said, we had, we had done some like festivals in the summer, some conferences, some one-offs, some like stuff for TBN and stuff, but this was the first tour as a band, yeah. as local sound. And it was it was an incredible experience. Yeah, so let's talk about a bit of that. So we connected like right before it started, right? It was like July, I right. think. Right, and yes. I remember the first time you called, I was like putting together dining room chairs or something. <laughs> Yeah, you were. <laughs> and I, I had like that. I had like 20 minutes to finish or something. Uh yeah. and so um what was it like to be on a tour not just with like one other drummer, but like three other good drummers? How like how was that experience for you as a drummer? Like did that rub off on you? in the sense of like iron sharpens iron and you felt like, wow, in these couple of weeks together, like I've, I've grown to a whole new level. Like what was that experience for you? Well, yeah, I would totally agree with everything you just said. It, it was definitely a, a growing experience. And, and, and in a lot of ways it was like a full circle experience for me because, you know, you, so you had like, Joe, um, David on there, Josh Fisher and Dan. Yeah. And, and so out of all those guys, I had never met any of them before, but I had seen a lot of them before. So I had, I had seen all, all rewind to, so Josh. So I went to the awakening conference in Chicago when I was like, in high school or I guess it was yeah it was either beginning of my undergrad or like right out of high right out of high school um I went to the awakening conference with Jesus Culture in Chicago and I remember seeing Josh play and you know and I'd listened to all the records and stuff and it was I remember being there and just seeing him play and just be like man like one I would love to be friends with him (laughs) two yeah I would I would love to just be doing what he does. Like oh, it was just so inspiring. And so you fast forward, it's crazy how God works. Um, we're on this tour, and it's like all these guys I'd looked up to in the worship space. You know, Dan with all his stuff with Hillsong, and now with Lauren, Josh with Jesus Culture, and then obviously David and Joe with the Bethel Crew. It's like those artists especially Hillsong Jesus culture and Bethel had been so impactful to me um, in my, you know, like listening to worship music. It's in my church experiences. It was, that was the biggest thing. And so once on the tour, it was just so cool how there was no, there was no like competing or anything. It's like, we all have our own thing. And it was everyone was just championing the other person the whole time, and and everyone is goofballs. I did, you oh know, yeah, I did that put together that interview, and it was just like they were just cracking jokes the whole time. Um, it was the intro was hilarious. like I had to edit. I thought, okay, this is the good intro, and then it was like, nope, re- redo. Yeah, yeah. And you look, just, you look like you were getting frustrated. You're like, guys, come on. Because we had like a limited amount of time, and I'm like, guys, we got we got to do this. Come on. Um, uh, I'm like, I'm yeah, I'm such a like 
to the point kind of guy. It's, it was so funny, but no, it was great because like I said, like Josh, Dan, Joe, like they're all very different drummers, but have like really championed the worship space. And so for me coming up as uh, a, a younger drummer with a, a band that is completely different than all of their sounds, even my, you know, even the way I tune my drums and my, in my setup is like, whereas they're like very bigger, real gushy, deep snares, big cymbals, yeah. just really throwing out a landscape of sound. What I'm doing in that scenario is like very tight pop, like quick sounds, you know, like, and so it was cool to see how, our sound fit into this bigger picture and everyone was, you know, like I would look out and, and they'd be out in front of house, you know, like just vibing. And, yeah. and that was really cool to see how everyone just supported each other. And um, there was no competition or trying to make a statement over someone else, just supporting each other and growing together. It was yeah. awesome. And I think I can echo what you just said. The Outcry Tour came here, I think it was April 2016. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I remember just watching like other artists or worship leaders or bands coming out to the front and, and worshiping uh, before their set or after their set. And I thought, wow, like the, the heart of the of the Outcry Tour, I thought was was very felt. Mm-hmm. and uh, authentic. Um, and like you said, there was like a, a good sense of camaraderie yeah, uh, amongst like drummers, amongst all the people. And it was really cool for me to experience that, but I'm glad that um, it, it hasn't changed even, you know, in the year that ensued where you were on it, which was really cool. Yeah. It's, it's really something special. Yeah, man. Let's talk a bit about, your setup, because you mentioned that it was unique. And um, what I'll do is in the show notes for this episode, I have all those images that you sent me backstage. Of, oh, like, yeah. Of you tuning or setting up or, or getting stuff ready. Um, so maybe just uh, audibly walk us through your setup, your symbols, your spiral. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For people. Well, and then a- go ahead. I was gonna say, yeah, I can. I'll, I'll break it down for sure. Um, those drums, I love those drums. Um, surprisingly, well, not surprisingly, like the symbols I had in that tour, I'm actually not playing anymore. But because since then, this year, I signed with Pisces, so I'm officially Pisces symbols. But I'll give a a shout of love to Pisces. But I'll recap my Zildjian's for from that that's, tour. That's true. Um, yeah. Um. But I'm essentially I can, I'm, I'm doing the same kind of vibe um, with my new symbols as well. But on that tour, I yeah, it was a lot. Um, so instead of you know your traditional, I guess a traditional setup in worship settings can, nowadays is you know like a fourteen by six and a half or eight snare, yeah. um, and then you would usually have like a thirteen rack, a sixteen floor, and like a twenty two kick or even bigger maybe. Um, and then symbols would be like a 24 crash, 22 crash, or a 24 ride maybe, or a 22 crash and a 20 crash or yeah. two 22s, you know? Yeah. And big, big hi-hats like 17s or something. Um, but kind of what I was doing was I was playing drum wise. I had these 1958 Ludwig, uh, transition badges and they were incredible um i got them from a guy in nashville called it's from nelson drum company uh-huh. yeah. um, vintage drums and those drums specifically were the drums that paul mayberry used a ton and some of the that sound stuff it was used mm. on like one of the all sons and daughters records it had been used on a, a, a lot of records in nashville um it'd been rented out for a lot of studio work. And so I had the awesome pleasure of being able to buy those, those drums specifically. Nice. And so they're uh, mahogany instead of 
maple when they switched in the 60s. So they're just very warm, but also due to the aging, they're they're very quick. Even yeah. you know, Ludwig's are already very dead drums, so it's just deep, dead, quick sound. And I was playing a 14 by five acrylite snare um, tuned up pretty, pretty high. <laughs> had a good crack on it. Um, and the, the dimensions on those drums, so 14 snare, 12 inch rack, 16 floor, and then a 22 by 14 hmm. kick drum. And then I always prefer a 12 inch over a 13 because I can tune it low if I want to, but I can crank it higher and it gets a really quick, yeah, you know, sound out of the 12 inch. And then on my left, I was running this um, custom snare by Truth Custom Drums that I had made as like a floor tom snare hybrid. It was a 10 inch. It was, on, it was a snare on floor tom legs with wooden hoops. And it was a 10, or sorry, a 14 um, by 10 deep snare. Yeah. Um, and I had that as this auxiliary snare with a splash symbol on top of it. Um, to kind of get this electronic affected vibe that I would do in the song called wild. Yeah. And then I had for electronics, there was a part of the set where we ended with wild remix and I would stand up and I would play this electronic setup with triggers and pads all running through my SPD. Um, and then I would sit down to finish the song. Um, and so I had like a PD8 pad, a BT like 10 bar, um, like a kick pad trigger all running through the SPD, which was also triggering sounds. Love it. Um, and then symbol wise, at the time I was using the 16 inch Avidus hats, which the 16s gave it the girth and the, the beef, but the Avidus overtones are very bright um, and resemble the old, old case. So you had this like brilliant overtone series with this thicker hat which gave it a really nice hmm. definition but still had the punch behind them um then i was using a, a 20 inch constantinople um medium thin low crash um i was using a 22 inch constantinople renaissance ride then i had a stack over to my right which was um essentially like a, a hand hammered, like dry. Um, I want to say it was 18 inch crash underneath. And then on top was a, an A custom. So it was really bright on nice. top of that hammered, which was like an auxiliary hat stack, yeah. really thick. Um, and then I had my 20 inch spiral symbol. <laughs> So it was like, a, it was a lot of different color. It was a yeah. lot of different color. You know, the spiral had that trashy effect, you know, the Renaissance and the 20 inch crash gave me that, my traditional sounds. Um, yeah. And then the, the stack over to my right gave me, gave me a little bit more of that modern trashy stack sound. Yeah. And that was pretty, that was pretty much, that was the setup. <laughs> oh, and there will be people who want to know what drum heads do you use or did you use for that tour? So on that tour, I was using, um, on the snare, I was, I was using an ambassador, um, coded on the snare. Um, and then I was using Remo at the time. And then I was using on the toms, emperors on the toms. Uh, coated emperors because they're a little bit warmer two ply head ambassador clear ambassadors on the bottom mm. I, and that's like a, a very traditional remo setup you know that's like a go-to for almost all their artists um, but now i'm using um evans heads nice and but at the time i, I still kind of go for a little bit of the same setup yeah that i had with those remo heads that I now use with my Evans Sweet. as well. So yeah. um, I have a question for you uh, regarding endorsements, because I've been reading a lot on, uh, there's a, face, a few Facebook groups I'm a part of. I've seen some YouTube videos come out lately about uh, endorsements are not really 
about the company endorsing you, but you endorsing the company. Um, just, I'm curious your thoughts on the whole endorsement discussion. Uh, maybe like, do you have, you mentioned Paiste, like, mm-hmm. so, so how do you view endorsements? And if we have people listening, like what, what advice would you give them if they're pursuing endorsements? Um, maybe what to do, what not to do, what, what you want or what you might not want in terms of an endorsement. Uh, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that whole subject. Yes, this is definitely a, a topic that's heavily discussed. And it's hard to, to balance because, so just like general, like umbrella, is that it is about you endorsing the company. At the end of the day, it's a relationship, like any relationship. It has, it has to be a two-way street, you know, like, for, at, in a nutshell, by being endorsed, what the company is helping you with is is expensive gear at the end of the day, you know, like, you know, buying sticks, buying heads, cymbals, drums that you need. At the end of the day, all that costs a lot of money and yeah. it's hard, you know what I mean? And so that's what the company's offered to the artists is the, these resources and this gear that they love to play and they get to partner with them. And then on the flip side of that, the artist has to have something to offer the company as far as pool and, and, and people watching them and wanting to play their gear and them being in front of a lot of people. And, and that's kind of like the artist really is the one who endorses the company, like you were saying. Um, yeah, yeah. And so with the huge art, you know, if, if you land... A, a gig drumming for a major artist at a shoe-in, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. immediately you're you're going to be endorsed. But I feel like the harder question is for the artists who aren't at that level, but who are working consistently and, and are in front of a lot of people, but they don't have like a, a big name, but rather they're like really hustling, working for a lot of artists, teaching, doing clinics and like, studio stuff it's like how do you gain the attention of a company that way and the best advice i've gotten from from peers that are endorsed and and drum for major artists or or just independent guys who drum for a lot of people they're like it's kind of like a gut feeling like you'll know when it's time Mm. to reach out if you haven't already been reached out to by a company and to me, it's like you never want you never want to reach out to a a company if you don't genuinely have something to offer. Like if if they were to ask, okay, well, what can you offer us? And you're like, well, I, you know, I'm doing some YouTube videos and stuff, but you don't have thousands and thousands of followers. That's not really a good argument, you know. Or yeah, if yeah. you're not like, well, if you're like, I'm only playing 50 shows a year or something that is different as opposed to being like, oh, I'm, I'm touring 200 shows a year. I'm in front of this many people. My videos on social medias are getting like this many views, this, you know, like if you have to have some artillery to like give them as, yeah. as well. And so for me, um, the only companies right now that I'm with are Pisty and Shy Baffles. Um, but I'm having conversations with other companies right now. But with Pisty, for instance, they reached out to me um, hmm. personally. And that was, that has been an awesome relationship because they had reached out. And, you know, over a couple of weeks, we had finalized it. But since then, you know, like as an artist for them, I want to make sure I'm really putting their product forward. And I'm really like, shining some light shining some light on their company and so i you know like as an artist i've I've set up like video recordings like with memphis drum shop and tried to like put together some hangs and they had all those color those color symbols yeah yeah i saw those videos yeah and so doing stuff like that like being ensuring that it's a two-way street that it's a relationship that you're both in it for each other is 
what it's really all about. Um, and I would say just as encouragement, you know, if you feel like you're at the position, you know, like where you're busy enough and you're, you're working enough and where it's like, man, I just, I need, I need some help from some companies, you know, and you reach out and they say, no, not at this time. Don't be discouraged, you know, cause it's, it's a very saturated market and mm-hmm. a lot of people really want endorsements. And sometimes it's, it's just not the right time with that company, but that doesn't mean that you're not deserving or not ready yet. You know, like maybe yeah. don't, it's okay that first endorsements aren't with these huge A-list companies. You know, like if you look at some of incredible drummers over the years, they've, they've started off with companies that were just getting started or more boutique companies. And then as they built their name, they were able to, switch over to the companies that they had wanted to play their whole life. And so that would be my word of advice is like, don't be discouraged if a major company says no, not at this time. And don't be too prideful or or too afraid to, to start at a lower company. um, Or not, I I hate wording it that way at a company that's not as big um, in the marketplace and, and work your way up. Because at the end of the day, all, you know, like gear from all those companies is fantastic. And at the end of the day, it's just a personal preference, you know. Um, yeah. They all sound great. They all sound great. Are there any, like, disadvantages or cons to locking yourself in with an endorsement? I would I would say, you know, the only if there was to be a con, it would be you, you on stage or like under camera, you can't play any other gear. You know what I mean? And so if you're a studio guy, like, like Aaron Sterling, for instance, wasn't in, really isn't, he's only with Istanbul now. And I think Regal tip sticks, but he's not with any drum or head companies. I don't think, um, he might be now, I'm not sure, but for the longest time he wasn't because he wanted to play whatever he wanted at any mm-hmm. time. And so I would say that would be the only thing is if, or like a guy like Chris Dave, who's like a big drummer in the jazz R&B hip hop scene, he wasn't endorsed for a long time because he loved playing. He would have a sound in his head and he yeah. wanted to be able to go and just find that sound and play it. And so I remember seeing him on stage with like three different cymbal companies with five different drum companies, like two different heads. And he was just mixing and matching and he just built the kit that makes the sound that he wanted. And so, you know, if you, if you can afford to do that and have the means go for it. Um, But definitely the pro to being endorsed is that you have gear when you need it for a very reasonable price um, to be able to have them. And then when you're on a tour and you're like, Hey, I'm going to be in Europe for two weeks, you can call your drum company and be like, these are the venues. And they, you know, they'll set up to have the kit you want there at every show. You know what I mean? That's cool. And, and that, and that's, that's definitely the perk is knowing what you're going to have everywhere you go. So cool, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I don't know if we talked about this in the beginning, but how did you get your start in drumming? Because we talked okay. about how local sound formed, but I don't think we went far back to uh, to kind of your upbringing and and were you always a drummer? Were you always in church? How did how did that early start look like for you? Yeah. So, um, man, I wasn't always a playing drum set. I, I started in beginning band in sixth grade and playing percussion and from concert percussion in, in seventh grade, I started playing marching percussion and I really got heavily involved in 
in marching, playing yeah. air drums specifically. Wow. And um, so, yeah, at that, that point, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, I had never touched a drum set. And then it was going into my 10th grade year. I transferred schools to a bigger school that had a way better band program because I, I, I knew I loved music and I really wanted to take it serious. And so I transferred schools to a school that was an hour away from where I lived and was in that program. And that's kind of when I started playing drum set was in 10th grade in the jazz band. And that's kind of how that started to, to develop. But I still was like really heavily focused on um, marching and concert percussion as well as drum set, kind of all three of them. Nice. And so I did, you know, like all state, um, I ended up doing all American marching band when I was a senior and then was, you know, did like all region, all state jazz band on drum set. And then I guess it was going into my undergrad. I was doing music education degree. And then the focus percussion wise was in orchestral performance because they really didn't have a drum set program. And so at the time, all the drum set studies I had done was just all self-taught yeah. and um, going to clinics and master classes and then occasional lessons at the drum shop. Um, but majority was, you know, like YouTube and videos and stuff. And so it was in undergrad that I on just a whim decided to audition for the Blue Devils Drum and Bugle Corps in Concord, California on drum set. And I did that, got the spot. And so I was a part of the Blue Devils for pretty much the rest of my college, you know, degree. And um, I was in the, the A Corps for two years, um, 2012, 2013. And then like 14, 15, I was a part of like the international core where we would travel around the world, like teaching clinics and giving performances and touring and stuff like that. And during all that, I was playing drum set. And that mm. was when I was like, man, like I, this is what I want to do. Like yeah. be a performer, teach, and just drum set was my love at that point. Um, and so I had done my student teaching, just dreaded it, man. It was a terrible season of my life. <laughs> I I love I love teaching, but not in that setting. And so just having to get up and, and go in and I I have so much high praise for the my band directors who who dedicated their life to that. Um so like hats off to you, but it just wasn't for me. Yeah. And so Right after that, I decided I was going to move to Nashville. And so I moved to Nashville and, in 2015. And it was that summer, summer of 2015, that we did like a two-month tour in Europe with the Blue Devils. Um, and right after that tour, I got off the road and immediately began graduate school. And wow. this is where I was like, so excited because I had never had proper studies in drum set. And so that was what my whole degree was based around was commercial music, contemporary modern jazz theory and drum set studies. And wow. so um, I studied with this guy named Chester, this guy, this legend named Chester Thompson, yep. who is a devout Christian man um, who had, drummed for Genesis, Phil Collins, Frank Zappa, Weather Report, you name it. He's, Ron he's, Cannoli. Ron Cannoli. <laughs> you, yeah, you know, he's, he's played with everyone. And he's a master. And, and so it was a pleasure getting to study under him um, and just really honing on my craft as well as what that means as a believer. Mm. Um, and just learning that every time I sit down at the kit that it's, I'm a tool, you know? Yeah. I am a tool that's just facilitating whatever he wants to do through me. 
Yeah. And so, so that was really cool. Um, but it was during, it was during school, you know, graduate school and really developing my you know, the skills on the drum set where I, you know, like the normal Nashville thing, meeting people, going out, you know, like building relationships, starting to play, getting my name out there. And then it was, I guess, during my last semester of, no, my last year um, of school is when the summer, yeah, the summer leading into my last year of Belmont, um, I was starting a local sound thing. Yeah. And then also that September of 2016, yeah, into that last year, I officially began playing with Christy Knuckles. Um, and so I started getting these gigs and artists I was playing for that was a, a great transition for out of school, as well yeah. as being able to work while I was in school. And so, yeah, and that led to me graduating and then being able to immediately start working after I graduated. And that's kind of what led me to where I'm at now. Love it. Love it, yeah. man. It's been, um, so for me in Canada, um, like I, we never grew up with this, you know, the drumline thing, except for that one movie called Drumline. Uh, <laughs> Nick Cannon. So, yeah. And I, so I've always envied <clears throat> and looked upon, you know, those guys as being like super talented chops, all of it. I'm like, mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't have that. I didn't have that opportunity. So that's cool that, um, did you find the transition from like drumline or drum core to the kit kind of helpful because you already had some basics or does it make it hard? Um, and the reason why I ask is I think in my head, like classical piano to flowing in worship is a hard transition for the mm -hmm. educated. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, cause, cause if the words aren't on the page or the note notation rather, it's like, I don't know what to play. Right. So, so right. how's that transition? And I know you read drum notation for drums as well, but uh, from from drumline to drummer, how how does that work? Because I I don't have I don't know. I'm asking out of curiosity. I honestly prefer it um, in some ways because, for instance, when when I was playing drum set in the Blue Devils and then there are you know like the marching snare drummers some of the marching snare drummers that were the craziest doing some of the craziest <laughs> stuff i had ever seen in my life like some of the rudiments and combinations like what they could do i would never be able to do and so but then they would sit down on the drum set and it would just be terrible <laughs> terrible and so you're right in the sense that it's completely different. Like you have to think completely different, mm. like the touch, the finesse. But I would definitely say the mechanics and the mentality of being a rudimentary drummer I, is, is so, was so beneficial. And I use to every day to this day. Um, what I love about it coming from the rudimentary background was having all it's it's you know like to me it's like rudiments are your alphabet yeah yeah as a drummer and so knowing the alphabet you can start to construct words but then you know as a trained musician who can read and 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 you know also just being a good listener knowing theory you kind of know how words are supposed to be put together and you can start forming these sentences and these phrases and paragraphs and so for me, coming from a trained background in rudimentary drumming, as well as just theory and in school, it's I you know like it's it's that knowledge where you're able to sit down and play through a song without ever hearing it before, but have a great outcome because you know where the song's going because you can use the skills that you learn to deduct and, and, and kind of guide yourself there. Um, cool. Whereas, you know, the, as a, a non-trained drummer, you might have a street, street language maybe, rather than a, 
you know, like referring to the whole drumming as, as, as letters and, and yeah. um, putting words together, being a drummer where you've just kind of learned, like through watching and, and hearing, um, rather than reading and learning the fundamentals, um, there are some incredible drummer, drummers out there, but sometimes maybe they can't do everything they want to do because yeah. they might not necessarily know how to approach it. And so for me, it was always, it was always a win for me having the rudimentary, rudimentary background in drumline um, and the schooling and then going out into the real world and playing with musicians and learning, you know, the street side of things and being able to blend the two together um, is kind of what makes me the drummer I am personally. Yeah. And I think that's fascinating, man. I love how the analogy of alphabet and words, um, mm -hmm. for me, it like I clicked with that. It makes total sense. Really, really cool. Um, yeah. I have two more questions. One is in regards to technology, because um, you mentioned how you had that hybrid kit set up uh, mm -hmm. during the Outcry tour and all that. Like, do you learn that stuff coming out of Belmont? Do they do they teach that in school, or are you left on your own to try to figure out how to how does this work and how do, how does all this electronic sound integrate with you know, the kit and stuff like that. How did, how did that happen for you? So they don't teach it in school. That would be awesome if they did. I should <laughs> go back and see if I could teach a class or something. It's true. But it, no, it was all outside of school. It all started with um, needing an SPD for something. And then from there, it's like, how far can we go down this rabbit hole? You know, like, how far can we integrate these sounds? Like, cause my goal is like, I want to play the record yeah, and I want people to hear those sounds, but I also want them to feel the aggressiveness and hear the live sounds as well. So it's like getting the best of both worlds. Um, and so that was kind of just seeking that out on my own, um, which I feel like is a lot of people, you know, like going on YouTube and just typing in, you know, like, videos and seeing what other people have done and and also going to shows and seeing what people are doing kind of led to w what I did and so you know it's in there there are endless options of what you can do you know there's there's so many ways like you can use an SPD and you can run triggers out of it onto your acoustic drums and as well as just like electronic trigger pads that are set up everywhere or you can, you know, you can use your SPD as a MIDI controller, yeah. running it to an Ableton computer, a computer running Ableton that has MIDI racks. And so you're triggering the sounds out of the actual program itself. Or you can use, you know, there's this thing called App Trigger. Or, you know, there's, there's so many things out there. It's, it's honestly what works best for you. And so to me, what was the most efficient financially and to me, the easiest setup um, without having to use a computer was using the SPD as a brain. And so um, I also reached out to, to Lord, Lord, uh, sorry, Lord's drummer. His name yeah, is Ben yeah. Barter. Um, and he's a very kind guy. And he got back to me and I kind of asked him what he did in his setup because he has a very hybrid set as well. Yeah. Um, but what he does is use, you know, any roland electronic drum set brain you can completely wipe and put your own sounds in and make huh. scenes just like an spd you know it's all the same and so he uses a, a brain from an electronic drum set and runs that to his pads whereas Amazing. some people just use an spd so yeah i i found that I use my SPD and I use the nine sounds that are on there but I, I also use the trigger outs yeah. to to trigger the snares and kick sounds from the records on top of my acoustic drums, as well as um, doing trigger pads in case I want to be a little bit more flashy than just playing it on the pad. You know, I can put a 
I can put a, a pad that's kind of higher up where I kind of have to reach for it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that creates a, a, a form of showmanship, you know? Yeah. Um, but I would definitely recommend that, you know, using an SPD-SX is a great start to getting into building a hybrid kit. Really um, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I asked that question because... I mean, it's, I don't even know if we could say it's a coming trend. It is the trend to have an SPD set up um, next to your kit. And uh, yeah, I mean, so we actually filmed an online course for, for that, how to use the SPDSX in worship. And then mm-hmm. uh, we created a second one, which covers how to use it as a MIDI control to control Ableton Live and all of that stuff. Um, yeah which is fun so that's why i'm really intrigued by because every drummer i'm noticing uses it in a different way you know right to still do the same thing but a little bit differently so i love asking that and the last question that i love to end almost every episode with is a heart before beat question Uh, okay this is something that is the at the core of uh, what worship drummer is all about. So what do you do um, in your playing, in your travels, as you step up, like like you said, this is a gift and you want to continue continuously give back to the creator. Um, what do you do to help keep your heart before beat? I definitely, for me, because... Just being honest, and I think a lot of people who are listening can really relate to this. Um, it's not the easiest thing to get in the Word or pick up your Bible or your the Bible phone app and, and do on the road. It's really hard sometimes to do a full-out devotional every day, especially yeah. when you know, like you're going into the city and you have things set up, sound checks, and it's, it can be very fast paced, especially as a younger band, when you don't have a lot of hands setting up your stuff for you, you know, you're kind of having to do a lot of it yourself. And so me being just open, I don't do that every day. And so what, what I've found to put my heart before beat in that scenario is that relationships and the Mm. people that are pouring into me are very important. And so I think it's, it's crucial, you know, to like, when you're on the road, you know, finding, it could be your, everyone in the band, it could be just one friend or it could be someone that's not even there with you, but someone who can really pour into you and keep you level-minded and, and that can, even just give you a quick word of encouragement or a quick scripture, just something to um, remind you what it is all about to get you in the headspace of what it is we're doing. You know, it's it's all for the kingdom, whether it be a a worship gig or not, because I know a a lot of you guys listening you know, that you play in church, but you may also play one-off gigs here and there with secular mm. artists. And at the end of the day, that's awesome because all God wants for us, no matter what mu- what music it is, is, is that you recognize that it's a gift from him and that you give it back. Yeah. And so for me, um, whether it's actually getting in the word or whether it's just sitting down for five minutes and just, and saying what I'm thankful for and and talking about how God has worked in my, my day, um, and sharing that with somebody or someone sharing and pouring into me is, is definitely the first thing. And then something I always do, no matter what gig it is, um, as soon as I sit down at the drums, I just, I, I say a quick prayer to myself. I say, God, thank you for this opportunity. And that I just want to give it all back to you, that this wow. performance is for your glory. And, 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 you know, it's, it can be, as, it, it can be as simple as that. You know, it doesn't yeah. have to be, it doesn't have to be this big, long thing. <laughs> it's, 
it's just it's the heart and just recognizing for me it's just recognizing that it's from him and that it's going back to him and that's so good what i do so there you have it my conversation with garrett tyler and i pray that it was a source of inspiration and encouragement to you um you know the three main things that I seek to do through Worship Drummer is to equip, encourage, and inspire. And the podcast is one of those ways where I get to do that. It would mean the world to me if you can help me share and spread this resource. And how you can do that is simply by sharing it to those uh, on your worship team or drummers that you may know, as well in iTunes, especially if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating and a review. Uh, that would also help, and I appreciate that greatly. And again, the show notes for this episode with Garrett are available at worshipdrummer.com forward slash 021. And again, you can find pictures and videos from Outcry Tour. And also, don't forget to check out worshipdrummer.pro and worshipdrumsamples.com. That's it for this episode of the Worship Drummer Podcast. I pray that you would always remember to keep the heart before beat.